You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 105 of Take A Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have an insane episode coming at you all today or this week or whenever you're listening to it um we have the incredible douglas lyons on the podcast today he is literally i kind of say it in in the episode he's kind of like a dream guest uh not only for me but for anyone listening because this guy is he's, he's quite the talent uh he was he is an actor and a performer and like He's also a writer, and, and he's do- doing so many other things in the industry and, and has been able to produce and do all the things. Um, so he he has a, all the knowledge in all facets of the industry, and it's so fascinating to pick his brain um, and talk about all the incredible things. I mean, he was literally writing a, a show, Chicken and Biscuits, um, which was in this Broadway season. Uh, we starred Norm Lewis, Michael Yuri, incredible cast. Um and uh, he was writing that backstage at Beautiful, in which that was a Broadway show that he was performing in. Um, so just so much talent, uh, so so fun to talk to. Um, I was able to see Park Maps, the Andrew Barth Feldman's wonderful cabaret that he has created early on in the Take a Bow um, ride with Sydney Lucas. Um, she and I both went on his podcast on the Broadway podcast network, the little me podcast. And so like, there was like a whole podcast family there with Mark Tuminelli who directed and wrote, wrote it with Andrew as Andrew was on take a bow with us. Um, so it was just so cool to see him again. It was cool to meet him in person. Um, cause obviously we did the interview really in the height of the pandemic. So it's definitely virtual. Um, and it was just such a great time. What they created there, they really created like a show and like a story within the show. I, I That's rare to see at cabarets. Usually people kind of just sing, you know, and kind of entertain. But this was like a whole show. It was emotional. It was everything that you wanted. It was also just Andrew being Andrew at the same time. So yes, he was putting on a show, but he was really telling you the story of his life. And um, it was so beautiful. And their last show was yesterday, Wednesday, May 25th. Um, So unfortunately, if you missed out on it, you'll have to wait for the next, um, what is it, the next run of it? Because they did four shows this time and they did, um, I want to say four shows last time they did the installment as well. Um, Nonetheless, it was just amazing. So I'm sure that he will be doing it again. I'm sure that there will be uh, future installments. They he brought out Joshua Bassett. He brought out some incredible guests. Um, it was just it was just a great time. And he sang some Disney songs and talked about the Disney parks. 
Um, it was a blast. And I'm so, so glad that I was able to see it and go, so glad that I was able to see Andrew. And I was so glad to see some of the Take About community there as well, because I ran into a few listeners um, who recognized me or I recognized them. And it was great. It was just a, a wonderful night and something that was really, really special in a small community. I love those cabarets. I don't know if you all go to cabarets, but they're much more affordable than like Broadway shows usually. Um, and uh, there, it's just a community of people, especially like if you know who's performing um, and you're big fans, they usually have the same fans or they usually have the same friends and all the things. So um, it's they're so fun and they're so intimate and it's so wonderful. So congratulations, Andrew, on a run, wonderful run, a successful run of Park Maps. It was so much fun. And uh, yeah. And hopefully if uh, if there's another installment, I'll keep you all posted and you guys can go check that out. Something else I saw literally on Tuesday, um, May 24th, uh, I was able to see Mrs. Doubtfire that is currently that that announced that they will be having their final show. I said last week I will definitely be seeing it this week. So I kicked off the week and uh, I went to see it on Tuesday. Y'all, I was blown away. Like like it was way better than I thought I don't know why it's closing I mean I do know why it's closing okay I don't actually know why it's closing but like I have a strong guess and my strong guess is that when I went last night it was completely sold out apparently ever since they announced that it was closing they have been selling out and so with that information it makes me wonder that because of all of the incredible things, you know, some of the shows that really benefited from the pandemic um, and, and making new works and new stories and everything to come to Broadway. Well, those stories, right, they, they are because they are new, people want to go see those stories first. And they're more curious about that than seeing something like Mrs. Doubtfire, which is a show and a story that everybody kind of knows. Everybody knows about Mrs. Doubtfire. Everybody knows what you're getting out of it. Um, and so people weren't necessarily in a rush to see it. Well, now that it's closing, everyone's in a rush to see it because they were like, oh my God, it's one of those shows that I wanted to see and I wanted to see how they were going to do it on a stage and I want to see Rob, Rob McClure and how he would pull it off. Um, and yeah, so now everyone's rushing to it. And unfortunately, now it's a little too late. So I I mean, the show is incredible. The story's fun. It's it's such a deeper meaning and deeper story to it because really, the deep down, it's just about being with your family and being uh, together and spending time with loved ones and making everything happen that's possible with loved ones and getting every second that you can with them. So uh, it was so beautiful and everyone was loving it. I mean, everyone was the audience was insane, actually. Um, everyone was crying, everyone was laughing, everyone was smiling, having the best time. Um, so Mrs. Doubtfire, I, I can't say enough about it. If you can catch it before it closes, please do. Um, I honest to God, don't think you're, well, I know you're not going to regret it because it's just so fantastic. And a uh, huge congrats to Jake Ryan Flynn, Erica Mansfield, Calvin Cooper, Annalise Garpacci, all friends of the podcast. Um, so Erica wasn't on, but she's a friend of mine. So, um, but yeah, just huge congrats. And then of course, Rob McClure and Jen, Jen Gambatiz, um, their performances are absolutely amazing. And Brad Oscar, um, just incredible stuff. And it's definitely one that I'm going to miss on Broadway. And I'm definitely like, 
oh my God, now that I saw it, I would have brought so many friends and I would have said to go see it and, and pushed it a little more. Um, so I kind of, I'm kind of regretting it a little bit, but I can push it for the last week, I guess. Uh, if you're in the city, please go check it out before it ends. You're seriously not going to regret it. It's worth going for Rob McClure. Annalise Carpacci was snubbed of a Tony as well, uh, of a Tony nomination, of course. Um, and yeah, that that's Mrs. Doubtfire was just so good. I'm so, so bummed that it's closing because it's definitely one that uh, we want on Broadway for sure. It's good for Broadway. It's good for, for audiences to go see it and have that story be told. But anyways, I'm going to move on because I'm, I'm mumbling, I'm rambling, but uh, actual Broadway news. Let's talk about it, shall we? There's only two major things that I want to talk about. And uh, I know that this week's a, l- a longer interview, so I'm going to just push it over to that. Um, so with that being said, here's some Broadway news. Gaten Matarazzo will be starring in Dear Evan Hansen as Jared starting on June 19th. Oh, sorry, July 19th. Uh, July 19th. It's coming around the corner. It's going to be here sooner than we think. I'm so excited. He's coming back to Broadway. It's going to be his fourth Broadway show. He has not been on Broadway since Les Mis, um, which was in the Pippin era. So around like 2015, I want to say. Um, just a freakishly talented guy. Um, he's so good. And uh, Stranger Things season four is coming out. So like it's great timing for him. It's perfect. So I can't wait to see Gaten friend of mine. Hopefully we can get him on the podcast and talk about Dear Evan Hansen, Stranger Things and all the things. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just super excited. So check it out. Mark the calendars. July 19th, Gaten Matarazzo in Dear Evan Hansen. Um, one more thing. COVID is still looming through Broadway. Unfortunately, Alex Brightman will be missing some time in Beetlejuice. He's going to be missing, I think, the next 10 shows, which was like seven days um, or maybe it was eight days. I don't know, but it was like, it was around 10 shows. He tested positive for COVID-19 and then um, Aladdin canceled some performances due to COVID illnesses. So it's still very much a thing. So I went to Mrs. Dowfire and actually there was a group of kids sitting in the front row and uh, I mean, not kids, they were probably my age, but they were unfortunately not wearing their mask. And uh, Rob McClure had said something to them in the Mrs. Doubtfire character um, and said, you know, pull up your mask because you're at a show and you need to respect the the, uh, the performers on the stage and perfect what uh, and respect what uh, is happening on Broadway right now and keeping it alive and open for to bring joy to people. Um, so it's still very much a thing. So if you're going to a show, please make sure I know vaccines aren't required anymore, but just like be extra careful, especially like if you don't have your vaccine, like wear that mask. It, it's just a simple ask. And, and honestly, like at first it was kind of something to get used to, but it's really, you, you kind of forget you have it on, especially after once they start singing and once they have like their opening number, you, you're just like cheering and you're happy to be there and you're invested in the story. You're totally going to forget that you have a mask on. So please, please, please do your part, go to a show, but also be smart and be respectful to, to the performers and everyone around you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to say that because it's still very much a thing and a large part of it is because of these audiences just don't want to wear them. Like what's going on? It's not over. Uh, come on. 
but it's okay. We're going to get through it. And uh, it's so exciting to see what Broadway has been able to do and uh, progress and learn as they go um, and adjust as they go, which has been just so brilliant. So um, yeah, that's my spiel. That's my little spiel on on the COVID thing. Um, but yeah, that's all the Broadway news I have for you folks this week. And I'm going to do a little short drama dictionary, and then I'm going to send you over to Douglas Lyons. So this week's drama dictionary, word of the week, is going to be cabaret. Yeah, that's right, cabaret. And it's not the Broadway musical cabaret. I'm not going to teach you about the, the history of cabaret or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to be talking because I went to Andrew Barth Feldman's uh, cabaret park maps and i just recently did a cabaret with take a bow and hopefully more down the line and uh i just want to let you all know what a cabaret is if you don't already know a cabaret is really a, a intimate performance so with like some with like not a whole cast and it kind of everyone has their own little feature um it can be a one-man show um, but really, it's just like an intimate space that holds performances, and audiences usually are able to eat and drink and everything, and that's something that you can take your mask off for, um, just because there's it's just a smaller space, and it's kind of more open and all the things with the given the capacity i mean um so yeah it's just like an it's a space that holds an intimate performance and uh has a bit of a more interaction and more intimacy and it's usually more of like a let me entertain you kind of thing and just let me belt my face off and and do all the things and then i can like talk to you here and there um or it's really like a little show you know like andrew barth feldman so yeah that's what a cabaret is if you didn't know now you know and uh with that being said that's all i have for you folks this week so let's turn it over to douglas lyons Douglas Lyons, curtain up. Joining us this week is a special multi-hyphenate. He is an actor, a singer, a writer. He can do it all. Not only has he performed in multiple Broadway shows, but he's also written a hit Broadway play called Chicken and Biscuits that took place during this Broadway season. So welcome to Take a Bow, Douglas Lyons. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you about all the things literally um you your resume is one of the coolest people like coolest resumes of like people that i've had on the show uh you've done it all and it's i'm excited to kind of go through that journey with you and have you take us on that journey <laughs> let's take it let's talk about it so let's start at the beginning and i want to ask you what inspired you to start telling stories both as a performer as a writer in any capacity what was first how, what inspired you to get into this industry so i'm from new haven connecticut and the national tours of rent and cats came through the schubert theater um and i somehow was in the audience and i had sort of oh. sung in church all my life and been in a lot of dancing programs dancing schools but never knew of an art form that put them all together. Like I didn't know that it was called musical theater. I thought <laughs> it was just Broadway. Um, sure. But I was in a jazz band in high school and there was a poster in the jazz room of the Hart School. 
and it said music, theater, dance. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is a thing I could potentially major in. Maybe I should go for it. And so very late into my senior year, because I played a lot of sports in middle and high mm-hmm. school, I um I applied to four programs. Two auditions were in person, Hart and North Carolina School of the Arts, and then Ithaca, NYU were video. But like, imagine me on my high school stage. We had like an auditorium stage, but it wasn't a theater program, really. Um, But like doing Shakespearean monologues (laughs) on like a chair, just like me going for it, not having really any major training, just a mess. Um, But I got into Hart and I got a little scholarship and... um, Yes. Yeah, that began the journey of sort of throwing all these things I had done recreationally into a profession. And I was surrounded by a bunch of theater people who were all in the show choirs and had all the theory. I had none of that stuff, partially because mm-hmm. I was focused on school and sports. Um, mm-hmm. And some of me sort of regrets not taking piano lessons seriously. Uh, and there were some other artistic opportunities that I sort of like passed over at the time. But everything happens at its divine time. And uh, I found myself as a freshman at heart. Uh, I took a year off to tour at 19 with Rent. I had been auditioning mm-hmm. for Rent since like, it's like 18. And after six auditions and a bunch of callbacks, I swung the national tour uh, 06, 07. And then I went back to school, graduated 09. Um, I'm walking through my resume. I don't know if this is what you asked. It's great. Go for uh, it. Uh, and then I, uh, I went on the national tour of Dream Girls. It started at the Apollo Theater. Tony Award winner Adrian Warren was in that company. Yes. Um, cool. It was really cool. Chester Gregory, a bunch of awesome folks. And then when I got back from tour, I moved to Astoria, where I am right now. And a couple months later, I booked my Broadway debut, which was the Book of Mormon. Yeah. And um, yeah, I did that for a year, went on on the first national tour. And <laughs> six days after I left the tour, I booked Beautiful, the Carol King musical, oh. which would be in my life for the next six years. And backstage at Beautiful, I began my writing journey. So. Wow. Okay. Wow. So this is crazy. So your second Broadway show is when you started writing and then you kind of got into this industry, I guess, professionally in during college and like trying to get into a musical theater program. That's fascinating. Yeah. I also, I want to, I want to go back on something. So I started writing music. People don't know. It's so interesting. I wrote music before I wrote plays. And so with my writing partner, Ethan Pakchar, I started writing music on the Mormon tour we recorded a live album called Hashtag Love Live. It's on the iTunes and on the Spotify. Yeah. Um, but we started writing music. We recorded a live album in the fall of 2013. But I didn't start writing book or plays until 2017 when I was backstage. Sure. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I love this journey. And I love the fact that you kind of just ran me through your resume. It was kind of iconic. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's awesome. It, it, you're doing all these things. And it's cool to see how like literally one thing like one opportunity that you got kind of just led to the next thing and you just rolled with it and you were willing to be like and this yes and you know i love that um good for you and i think that's a big lesson that anyone listening should be taking in in kind of that journey and that kind of mindset throughout this industry for sure yeah Um, it's 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 uh, sorry to interject but like what i'm learning right now about life and i've been talking to my parents about this is it happens in chapters Mm-hmm. Right. And so Rent was a chapter. Dream Girls was a chapter. Mormon was a ch- college was a chapter. Uh, Mormon was a chapter. Beautiful was a chapter. Chicken and Biscuits. Fraggle Rock has been a chapter. Like 
all these chapters in my life and mind you our careers should not dictate our joy which is another thing that i've been no. really trying to refocus during this pandemic how to have joy when i'm not working mm -hmm. but if you always think that like life will present you a new chapter just keep doing the work that's how like in the sort of solemn times and the hard times i'm like it's okay you can't write it you gotta wait for it but just be ready for it you know what i mean and right. so um that sort of excites me is that like i don't know you know, when I was leaving Mormon that tour, I was so terrified uh, because I didn't have a job. I did not mm -hmm. have a job. And my first appointment for Beautiful was during my final week of the Mormon tour. Um, I like like it was crazy week. I like flew from Toronto back to the city. I was up for Motown and Beautiful at the same time. Did not get Motown. Had another callback for Beautiful while I was in the air to go back to Mormon. Found out that my grandmother oh my passed. God. Oh, Just, my God. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And uh, had to leave the tour two days early so I could fly to North Carolina for her funeral. They had a callback on a Sunday, but I couldn't be there because I was at the funeral. Uh, <laughs> but then the final callbacks were Tuesday, Wednesday. So I flew back that Monday, said goodbye to my family. But I was like, you know, I feel like my grandmother is my angel right now. Like, I feel like right. I feel good, you know, got you. the job on Wednesday, uh, got the call on Friday. Holy moly. Yeah. Insane. Chapters, 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 all about chapters. Yeah, so. that's like, yeah, those are like legit pages. Like, just next page, <laughs> next page, like that. Yeah, every day it seems like a page for you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's craziness. So, uh, so talk to me. So you you made your Broadway debut in Book of Mormon, and I'm just curious. You know, you've done tours and you've done this, all these experiences, and it's been wonderful. And there's so much to learn throughout all of them. But there's something about being on Broadway and it's just like a whole new like world, you know? And I wanted to ask you what your biggest, like your best lesson that you kind of learned that then you were able to um, continue to, to expand on and kind of understand as you grew in this industry from your first Broadway show. Cause I know you were swing swinging that and that's like not an easy task at all. And that's one of the most important roles on Broadway. So like, just talk to me about kind of the lessons that you were able to, to soak in, in your first Broadway show. I think as a community, sometimes we get caught up in the sheen and the mm -hmm. shine of the bright lights right? The yeah. neon lights. And we must always remember it is about the work. At the end of the day, it comes with perks, but it's about the work. And so I think Broadway was a goal that felt very shiny and like, oh my, it's like the NFL or the NBA of our profession, yeah. right? But then you get there and you remember it's work. <laughs> it's actual work. And so um, it's, and I always say this, we focus so much on the show and not on the business. You know, I had to learn you know, I was staying in an apartment at the end of the Dittmar stop um, and like splitting a one bedroom that was converted into two and saving a lot of money to pay off my loans at the time. You yes. know what I mean? Like I was on Broadway, but also back in my mind, I was like, but this this actually can afford me to take care of myself as a human being. Um, yeah. Artistically speaking, swinging I had done on rent. So I knew that it was going to take a lot of work at home that I had to be over prepared. We had a phenomenal stage management team, some of which is still there, and uh, dance captain Graham, who really took the time to teach me the show. But when I joined Mormon, there was no cast recording. Um, ah. 
And my first day of rehearsal was the Tony nominations day. I believe it was May 2nd, 2011. Wow. So I like watched the Tony nominations and got on the subway and like went to rehearsal. Um, so you're so, like honorary original cast. I'm, I, I can <laughs> say, I can say that I originated a track in that building because Period. I did not replace anyone. I was replaced. Um, yes. So yeah, I can say that I was not there on opening night, but six weeks after opening, I, started a new track that would be permanent in the building so um that was pretty cool but yeah just like the balance of rest and being prepared like i made my broadway debut i think on june 24th 2011 and june 25th the stage manager called me and i just knew again like imposter syndrome i just knew i had done a horrible job i knew they were firing me they had notes for me and i'm like sitting on my bed well come on this is like 24 year old douglas i'm sitting on my bed and uh i uh, she karen calls me and i was like oh my god like what happened i was like hello she's like douglas and i was like yes she was like so you're on again and i was like oh my god like it was so exciting um but yeah i i learned so much backstage at that show and like there was an instant where i went on mid-show and again you just you got to be ready that's the one thing broadway taught me and specifically swinging is like you're not going to be taught everything you have to study and there's three different shows happening Mm -hmm. there's the shows there's a show that you can see there's the show that the stage management and dance captain show you or teach you there's then there's the show of the Bible, the one that you sometimes they'll give you like a staging Bible. And then there's yep. the show that the actors are doing. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> you gotta like study all of them. Um, but uh-huh. I, I made some really great friends. Um, I'm grateful for Mormon because leaving Mormon when I did and going on the tour introduced me to Ethan, which introduced writing to my life, oh. which I did not know. Like writing was not a possibility. I've had a complete 180 you know, flip of my life with this writing thing. And I'm immensely yeah. grateful for it because I think it serves a larger purpose than acting could have ever for me. Um, mm. Acting feels very singular and very like, I'm concerned with what I'm booking next and writing feels more communal. And then I'm creating wow. roles as Chicken and Biscuits goes out in the Regents now. There's going to be between eight and 10 productions. I'm getting text Obsessed. messages and emails from actors i've worked with being like i got an appointment oh my god i'm so exciting so excited and so that feels like a larger purpose um right so yeah mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Oh my god, I love it. We're gonna talk all about chicken biscuits because that's literally the thing that I really want to talk about. Um, <laughs> but I, I do. Okay, you know what? I'm just moving there now because there's. I mean, there's just so much to talk to you about. But like, we'll go there now. Um, I want to know, like, what is as a writer? You mentioned this, like, this communal um, kind of feeling and and employing actors and everything like that. Like, what is the most rewarding thing for a writer is it the fact that you just got published is it like that you are that they are continuing the legacy even though it's not on broadway in these different regions like what is it that you feel so when we talk about legacy when we talk about Mm -hmm. theater as a space which is predominantly not you know a space built for folks of color it's something that we've gradually taken strides in Anything that I typically write is pulled from something in my life that I've studied or that I've lived. And a lot of the comedy of Chicken and Biscuits specifically is pulled from the comedy of my mother and her sisters and my grandmother um, and the kindness of my father. Like, so in a way, I'm honoring the legacy of my ancestors and my family with my own history, which has now become theater history, which will be which will be repeatedly performed over and over again around the world like when i am gone that play very much like you know all of august wilson's work lives on and what a special way to memorialize yourself and to memorialize your history and your culture and that's what i mean about like the comparison of writing to performing live performing if it's not on you know screen is very singular it's in the moment um right but a script you know is something that you know, in 2099, when I'm probably not here, somebody can read Chicken and Biscuits and be moved in the way that audiences were moved at Circle in the Square. That, to me, is magical. That's timeless. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of the turning point of my mentality. Like, hey, you can contribute to the canon of what theater and television and film can be um, while employing, you know, people. Uh And you're still being an artist. Yes. But you're employing artists and creating legacy. And so that that is my favorite part is also to see the different interpretations. Like I've only seen Chicken and Biscuits in readings and at the Queens Theater and on Broadway. But, you know, these directors, there's right now announced there's Portland, Crossroads. There's like 10 of them, I think, eight Mm -hmm. to 10 of them. Um, I know Missouri's one, right? Missouri? Isn't it? Kalamazoo. Cal- Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan. Oh, my God. Me. M-I. Oh, my God. Duh. Michigan. I need to go back to geography. Oh, my God. No, no, no. I yep. that because I was like, what? Missouri's doing? <laughs> uh, I got to check this someone's doing it in Atlanta. Like, I'm just excited to see the family. You know, some, having done Rent, when you're in that show, mm-hmm. in the chords you can feel the love that Jonathan Larson left. In the chords alone, you feel the love. And so my hope is that the text and the relationships built in the play, when Chicken and Biscuits is performed, you will feel the love. That no matter who's putting it on, that audience will have that exchange of laughter and love, and everyone will be healed and set free in that theater for one moment. And that's where theater is magical. That's where theater is magical, is you can recreate um, an atmosphere, very much like church, you know, growing up in church, like, but with text, you can recreate that artistically um, and change people's hearts and minds. And so that really, 
that really is the goal. And I just cannot wait to see that goal come to fruition. Yeah. So my question is for you, like, I don't know, just hearing you talk about like how it, it you're kind of honoring your ancestors and everything. And then of course that like, it's going to these other regions and everything. Like, how do you like hand off your work to like directors and like performers and, and kind of trust them in honoring the, the vision that you have? Like, what is that process like? When, when you're building a world together, everyone has to listen, uh-huh. right? And so Jalen Levingston, I actually met at a Britain and the Sting concert. I'm not sure if you're familiar with their work, but look at Britain <laughs> and Sting. They're everything. You will see them performing on okay. SNL with a special guest. And they okay. started in the theater. So get ready for that. Um, <laughs> but I met, I met Jalen at the first Britain and the Sting concert. This was summer of 2018. I believe. Yeah. 2018, I believe. Um, and he was sitting, I was sitting on like the edge of a couch and I was like, Hey man, you know, who are you? What do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a director, performer, multi-hyphenate. Um, oh, wow. and I was like, director, Hey, I'm working on this new play. I would send him <laughs> the first 30 pages, like a week later, he was going to LA. Um, mm-hmm. but he read it and called me and was like, we need to talk about this and like from there on out he was in the room and we did four readings and the story continues but um there was also a respect and a brotherhood and a safety and that i trusted his instincts even when we would disagree on things i knew it was coming from a place of love and so the room itself he always says um how we make is as important as what we make is something that Jalen says. And so I've learned from that partnership, it's very important that the dynamic um, and the trust and the love is in the room and we're not just focused on the baby. Because again, as I said with Jonathan Larson, you can feel when something was made with love. Yeah, totally. You know, And so I look for that in my collaborators. I'm like, I don't care what your resume is. I don't care you know, if you <laughs> want this or that. It doesn't really matter because if you're not kind to work with and we're not respecting each other's brilliance it's going to come out in the work so that's something i really really look for like um working with josh rhodes is a gift he just has a spirit about him and together we've been working on this musical bow um and it you can feel it you can feel it right and we like I'll call him. I'll call him. He's like, hey, how you doing? I was just, you know, listening to the album and crying again. What's going on today? You know, like it it matters that much to us. And so I like to surround myself with collaborators who, you know, I want to give them space to have their vision, but also know that they're always respecting my original vision as well. Absolutely. And like, was there ever any thought of like, you like directing it or like you even performing in it? Like, was that ever a thought that crossed your mind? At one point, because I needed health insurance weeks, I was thinking yeah. about playing Kenny and Chicken and Biscuits, to be very honest with you. Um, but then I didn't need it, which is kind and great. Um, and then I, I want to direct, I directed our kids' piece, Polka Dots. I directed a production um, okay. Playhouse on Park in Hartford. I would like to do a production of Chicken and Biscuits at some point. Um, uh. For sure. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I don't, think it's always healthy to start that way because you have unless you have a really great assistant or dramaturg you don't have that extra set of eyes to make sure you're not only playing to your interests but yeah no i definitely (laughs) will direct a production at some point oh i love that so and i love the fact that like you were able to to do that and kind of 
hand it off and be able to collaborate because that's really what theater is it's just collaborating with other artists and and coming together to to make something work and to tell a story so um i thought it was i I thought that was very admirable that you were able to i don't know i feel like if i wrote something i would be like it's gotta be this way and like i'm too ocd so i applaud you for for doing all that you gotta let that go i mean and, and if you're asking someone to contribute to the room yeah they're there for a reason like if they're not a puppet Right. So you can't be like, hey, I want you to direct this, but I want you to listen to everything that I want. It's like, well, then you're not asking them to direct. Right. Um, And that's where the trust is really important. Um, But you also want to study the style. Like there are some folks whose work I see and I'm just like, oh, I really love the lighting. Who is that lighting designer? Right. Ah. Um, Josh Rhodes. When I saw Bright Star, there was a moment where he used this blanket as like a cape as wind and then as like a um a picnic layout and but it just kept flowing and i was like the story the, did you see what he did with the blanket like and it was like <laughs> a subtle thing but i knew watching oh. that show i was like i need to work with that choreographer and now he is the director wow. choreographer at Bo, you know um so it's awesome. finding the glitter that an artist brings to their work and then you take yours and you mash it up and hopefully we have a new globe you know yeah so what is like, for, I mean, I don't know if you have an exact answer for this because I'm sure every process is different, but from your experience, like what is the process of, I mean, I, I know you did it backstage at, at Beautiful and everything. Like what was the process of writing it? Like how many drafts did you go to? How did you then, how, how does like, you, how do you fund it? Like how do you get it to Broadway? Fund it, fund it. I want, we got to put a pit in that fund. Yeah. That, that's the real conversation. Um, so let's all fascinating. Uh, well, yeah, no, it's so we, if we tell the chicken story, the first chicken and biscuits reading was November of 2018. Lilius white, my good friend starred in it. Yes. Um, we then had a second reading with the queen's theater um, my friend, executive producer, Taryn Sacramone there. Um, the third reading was at the Billy Holiday Theater because um, Debbie McIntyre, who's a great theater human being, had seen a reading and suggested that we go um, to there for a reading series. So oh, wow. for the Frank Silvera workshop, we did that for the third reading. And a friend had seen the second reading and came on board, um, Elliot Clayton Cornelius, Pamela Ross and Leah Mikolas produced the fourth reading, um, oh which was, I feel like, May or June of 20, that would be 2019, maybe. Jesus. I'm trying yeah. to like, right. Um, and conversations between Taryn and that team had begun for what would be our off-Broadway bow in 2020, March. So oh, those wow. producers who had produced their own reading got on with Taryn, had a conversation, and she gave us a slot in their wonderful black box. And that's how that started. Now, the story goes further that in the fall of 2019, I got followed on Instagram by Hunter Arnold, who is a Tony Award producer for Once on This Island, et cetera. And me being the go-getter that I am, I'm the type of person that will email you or reach out and be like, hey, and I also respect that in return when people reach out to me. It's like brave to do that. Now, you may not get right. the answer you want, but, you know, taking that action 
and applying yourself <laughs> is a beautiful thing to celebrate. Um, yeah. But I reached out to Hunter and I said, hey, man, do, you know, I see your Broadway producer. Do you read scripts? And he was like, yeah, I do. It's like, awesome. Um, would you read, you know, I have a couple of shows, you know, Polka Dots, Bo, Chicken and Biscuits. Would you take a look? And that was the fall of 2019. And every five weeks thereafter, I would send him a message on Instagram. Hey, did you read? Hey, how you doing, man? Happy uh -huh. hot. Did you read? Uh, um, <laughs> did you did you read? Uh, and he hadn't. He was, you know, too tied up and busy. And mm -hmm. during the pandemic, I got it was like April, May. I got a sort of four paragraph message from him being like, I did not take, you know, the time to read your work. I was too busy. But now that the pandemic is here, I have no reason not to check it out. And I'm really impressed with what you've done. We need to talk. Wow. Um, it's really important that people, and this is something I've learned also working in television. It really takes one. It only takes one. Always. Yeah. Like I know actors that have complete resumes built on one director or choreographer. Um, it takes yeah. one. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then we found ourselves on Zoom. We were trying to figure out which projects we wanted to do. Um, and Chicken and Biscuits had been in conversation. And then 21 spring, um, we were looking at maybe bowing at an off-Broadway theater, like moving maybe from Queen. No, no, I'm mixing up contracts. Another show we were going to maybe do off-Broadway. <laughs> See, I'm mix, uh -huh. mixing things up. Um, I but don't know how you keep it all straight. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, but there was a potential opportunity, you know, that Hunter brought up of a Broadway bow because there was a theater opening. American Buffalo had to push back because the celebrities uh, were not available until the spring of 22. And he thought that maybe, you know, chicken and biscuits could be a possibility. And me, especially, you know, the COVID of it all, I was like, okay, all right. Sure. Like my play going to Broadway. Are you kidding? Okay, whatever. Uh, he's like, no, I'm having a conversation with the theater owner. And then, you know, there became more and more emails and texts about it. And I was like, okay. And wow. we were a part of this musical breathe that went up in the pandemic with Jody Pico yeah. and Tim McDonald. And uh, that night of the um, premiere, I got the text message that IATSE had approved, that all the unions had approved, and we basically had the house. But wow. still, it was COVID. And so I was like, I don't believe. And I remember yeah. <laughs> my friend Kimberly Maribel was there. And I was oh. like, Kim, I, I think I think we go on a Broadway. But I was like, I, I couldn't tell people. And I kept telling people oh. in private. But I, it, it didn't, until it was announced, I didn't believe it. And then, right. um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wonder if it was announced on the anniversary of my Broadway debut. Because I think it was announced either June 24th or June 25th. I have to look that up. I was just going to say, I'm looking it up right now. I, I have to look up my Broadway debut. I think it was either the 24th or 25th. It's right around the same time. But anyway, they announced. And uh, then I was like, now you're on the hook because it's on deadline. So it has to happen. Yes. And, oh, my God. Um, yeah. So that was... Now, mind you, if I had never slid into the DMs of a Broadway producer, I would not have a Broadway play. That's just factual. It's just facts. Wow. So and that's the beauty of social media. Like it, yes, it's a dangerous place, but at the same time, there are some good things about it. Yeah, if if you know how to use it as a tool, like right. I, I 
selfies, great, awesome. Like whatever gets you through the day, like honestly do it. But for me, I, I use it as a business tool. I've gotten commissions. I recently got a, a commission from an Instagram post because a producer who had seen Chicken and Biscuits oh. was reminded of me and like reached out and was like, oh my God, this post got my attention, but I also saw Chicken and Biscuits. Can we talk? And now I'm doing a commission, right? So wow. yeah, it's like, how are you using that free piece of advertisement and marketing? Right. Right. Absolutely. You can get your bag or you can get your like, yeah. I'm trying to get this bag. I'm trying to get this bag. You know what I right. mean? Right. And just succeed yeah. in general, you know, like, it's like, I, I don't know. There's so, there's a lot of things that you could do with it. And it's, I feel like that's everything. Like there's even relationships, like it's all like the whole, it's a game of life. And like, you have to like use it, like, but not use it. Cause I don't want to say that, like, you don't want to take advantage of it, but at the same time, like, there are just ways that you can you can benefit everybody involved. And well, it's, I think- it's a way to connect. It's a, I mean, right. you reached out to me via Instagram and here we are. You know what I mean? Like it's Correct. a way to connect. And in an industry that's so difficult sometimes to get in the room, mm. these are tools. I tell young artists like Darren Hayes, who was in our show Notes From Now at Prospect, tagged me and Ethan covering a song from Bo. And he had this gorgeous wow. voice. And I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are, but you need to sing our music. I put his name in the pile for Notes From Now. He booked the show and he made his oh off-Broadway debut. And I found him on Instagram. I love that. That's amazing. So it's a tool if you want to use it that way. You don't have to, but right. you know, when, especially during COVID where they're not open calls and you can't walk into a room, you can be discovered online. It's it's just the culture shift that we're in right now. Yeah, and in in ways, it's a good thing, I guess, the pandemic happened because who knows if Hunter would have ended up reading the material if it didn't happen. So. Oh, I would have shown up to his office. He was going to read those scripts. Okay? Yes, come on, that's everything. Let me tell you, you something. Talk about the door, oh, I'm. That's what I read about passion. You going to read them scripts? Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, I love that. Good for you. I love your drive. It's like everything. Um, But it look, it pays off, right? It does. It really does. It really Uh, does. It's insane. I, I, the whole process is fascinating and it's crazy. It's actually um, kind of amazing that I know four years seems like a long time, but four years to go to Broadway is uh, pretty quick compared to some of these shows. It was very unexpected, but I call it divine. Like, what we did in last fall and like reopening Broadway and just the laughter and the tears and the joy. I remember I would watch House left occasionally and mm-hmm. there was one performance where I saw this couple sort of sharing tissue. Oh. You know, and I was like, oh, that, 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 that's why we do. That's, that's, that's what we want. Right. Um, right. everything else is added, the accolades and stuff is added, but it's really making sure that people are moved by the thing that you wrote. And if I can continuously do that in my career, I'm good. I'm I'm genuinely happy. I think the sad part of COVID is we've been able to do less of that work because our profession in particular has been affected, you know, the most. Um, so that's the stuff I miss. And so to be able to do that again and to give people laughter um and family and and healing was just an honor yeah and now you guys are published 
now the show is published and I can go to the, I can mosey on down to the drama bookshop and uh, chill out and have a coffee and uh, read Chicken and Biscuits. So everyone yeah. do that. How do you yes. recommend that? Yes. How cool yes. is that? It's great. They have right now they're e-published because they're getting the hard copy made. Um, right. But people are already buying it and reading it. And I forget, yeah. like an artistic director sent me a message on Instagram and he had read the one in Kalamazoo. They had read the play. Right. Um, and just from reading it, they hadn't seen it. I don't think were moved to do the show. And so there's something interesting about seeing how people interpret it from just reading it alone. Cause everyone didn't see yes. it. Everyone didn't make it to New York. Um, and I'm not used to strangers around the world reading the play. And so that is also exciting to see how it inspires, you know, young actors, um, young black queer actors too. Yes. You know, there's some monologues and moments in there that's new material and new text for people to explore. Um, and I'm so excited. I'm just so excited to see all the ones on the different productions. Yeah. I know. And I love it too, because like, it's, it's a way to get the, bring the art to a, a whole new communities because all you're doing is buying like a $20 play. Like, and, and then with that, I mean, you may not be getting the performance. You may have to be doing a little bit of extra work, but reading it and, but that all that's doing is, is kind of flexing your creative muscles and, and figuring out your way to tell the story and give your own interpretation on the thing. So I think it's really cool. I'm a big uh, supporter in, in reading plays and reading new works and all the things. So I'm so excited that this is published and I'm so glad that it it's now available for, for people to read all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me too, it's like, and I speak on this a lot when it comes to black representation in theater and content it's often very oppressed and very painful it's rarely mm -hmm. joyful and so i say that yeah. something like a chicken and biscuits is a revolutionary act yes um it's not something that's always understood and it was not necessarily intended to go to broadway you know it was an exercise really could i capture the joy of my family and at the time, oh. a relationship I was in, in a play, like, could I celebrate my lessons in a play? And so now that that play will be, you know, sprouting joy around the country is just that that's the coolest thing. It's the it's the coolest thing. And I'm just going to cry my way through this fall. I'm telling you Yay. when I see the play. Um, like yes. a woman I worked with in, 20, in 2008 sent me a message. She was like, I just submitted a tape, you know, and she's a middle-aged black woman, but she has a new role to yes. audition for. Come through. Let's go. And you did that. You did yeah, that. Yeah, we did on. it. You know, Come on. Yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I love that so much. And I'm so glad that those new opportunities have come of it. I'm so glad that it's being published. I'm so glad all of the things I love the show. I think it's great. Uh, and so I'm just so excited for it. And the cast that you had on Broadway was just stupid. Like it was so freaking good, but that's so like great. amazing. It's, uh, it's amazing what, what the show was able to do. And ah, I loved it. Um, anyways, um, I, I want to ask like, do you know, like, when you're writing something like, oh, oh, this is like, this is it. Like, because I know you're working on like so many pieces that it's like, how do you keep on track? Like, which one do you work on? Like, you're working on five at a time. Like, it's craziness. So like, what is your writing process like in general and balancing everything and how you're feeling towards each piece? 
So when we say it, that's a very interesting word. Like it in what capacity? It as in the one that will be celebrated? It as in the one that moves me the most? It as in what? So I'm going to ask you that question. What does it mean? Oh, my God. But I kind of like want to hear all the things. Um, Maybe the one that like you are you feel most moved by and kind of. Yeah, go for that. I'm a a lovey-dovey writer. Like, I'm not an intellectual writer. I'm not trying to, like, change humanity. I'm usually (laughs) trying to bring joy. Like, that's really... I'm trying to take a snapshot of life. I'm trying to encourage young kids, queer folks, Black folks to keep their head up. It's kind of a simple task. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, But I... I always say I can only do two things at a time. I Right now, I've been doing three things at a time, which is stressing <laughs> me out because I broke my own rule. Um, but I go into sort of a time capsule when I spend time with whatever world it is. Uh, right. I also do a lot of development with actors. So there were over 20 actors, 25 actors throughout the period of development with Chicken and Biscuits. That first reading was probably folks 10 through 18 because I had a bunch of private table reads before that. Um, And Rebecca Covington, I say this to her all the time. I thank her because she was at one of the early table reads. We were doing beautiful at the time. And I was nervous because I had never written a play successfully. And it was like page 10. And she was like, Douglas, you need to keep going. You have to keep going. And I was like, I, but this, she said, keep writing it. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, So I, I, in the early stages, a lot of development with actors because I act, but I don't like sitting in my room acting against myself. Sometimes if you think a script is going one way and you give it to actors and they read it a completely different way, you're like, Oh, if it could be interpreted that way, maybe I need to clarify what I actually once said. So that's how I work in process. And then, you know, now working in television, it's assignment based sometimes that you have to get things done. So there's like deadlines and you go through, so I'm working on two TV projects and one of them, I've gotten like four rounds of notes from an executive, you oh, know, wow. to get it to a certain place and which can be very frustrating, but fruitful. Cause I had a pitch a couple of days ago with a celebrity and now the celebrity wants to meet me and actually talk further about the project, but it takes a lot of work. And ultimately all that work could happen in the celebrity go, actually, I don't think this is the right person. Right. So, right. It becomes a little bit more business oriented in the TV world for me, where it's like, yes, this is artistic and awesome and it feels great and like characters, but also there's a certain structure that you have to meet, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I try not to do more than one thing at a time or two things at a time. Um, But when it comes to theater, I always think of it as like playtime. It's, you know, exploration. It's an experiment. So this new play I'm working on is about two exes that see each other for the first time um, after being, like, out of communication for over a year and a half. And they see each other for the first time in front of us, right? And so I've been, like, slowly working on um, the opening monologue, but I, like, pulled a friend into a Zoom room and I was like, read this for me. (laughs) With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. How did that feel? You know, like, that's kind of my my process. Um, that's fascinating. I don't know, like, that. That I love that concept. Like, I don't know how that's, like, something that people think about. Like, I, I don't know. It's fascinating to just see your thought process and be like oh yes i'm gonna write about this like i don't know like it's brilliant i wish like i don't know i didn't i don't think i'm i come from you know being an actor first so i lean on actors because to me they teach you so much about what the world could be and if something doesn't feel right in their mouth i think part of the reason chicken got in so quickly is it had been through so many actors mouths right right so i'm not Um, only I, i think it's always a bad idea to write a full draft of anything without hearing anyone on it because what if in that first reading you realize that the audience is over your protagonist by the I want song by like the third scene yeah and you've written an entire musical based on something you thought would work and they're tuned out (laughs) because they didn't like the turn or the choice that that lead character made you could prevent that mistake if much earlier on you have heard it and you know allowed a, a couple of people to sort of see what it is so you learn about it as you go but that's just my process um i think it saves me a lot of time in that first draft because i've written and based on what i heard it in inferred what i should write next mm, okay interesting no. now, yeah. now do you feel like your experience in performing has helped you as a writer and vice versa. Like if, at being a writer has helped you in performances and telling you stories and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think in the TV space, the act of pitching, mm-hmm. which is I've had to do now via zoom where you get on and there's executives and you have your little cheat sheet and your document and you pitch an entire, like I just pitched an entire pilot episode and full season of a tv show that does not exist currently and it's the personality of the actor in me that allows me to sort of bounce and get through when no one's responding or whatever right so Uh, you become a salesman in a way and i think the actor in me has helped me as a writer also just in a room looking at actors work and being like oh i feel like they want to say something different here how can i support that right um I always tell the story that we were in the Queen's rehearsal period of Chicken and Biscuits and Ebony Marshall Oliver. Um, the moment in the play where the new sister pops in um, and uh, Beverly stands up and goes, the fuck? And she like, everyone like flips out. Um, <laughs> from that moment on in choreographing Queen's, I could see there was a moment where she had this face that was like, oh, you, oh, you want me to come out of this? pew and so i gave her a line that was like oh you do huh and like i added a line based on the subtext of her face sure and that line based on her acting ended up actually getting a laugh you know what i mean Uh so it's it's studying what the actor's impulses are 
and not being offended by it, but also like collaborating on it and being like, okay, I sometimes you got to be like, no, I want to do what's on the page. But sometimes you go, actually, that might heighten the moment. Try it and let's see what we learn about it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's fascinating. I never even thought about that. Like, because it is a whole, not only are you collaborating with the director and, and trying to tell the stories, but the performers are the ones telling the story. I mean, you kind of have to write towards them too, you know? That's crazy. Yeah. You want to write, uh, you know, an outline and a roadmap of a character that's built so that when people read the play and they're in Kalamazoo and the actor playing Logan uses the words, it's not just right. built for Michael Yuri, right? That it's totally. built for Logan and that person can make their own version. But sometimes you also can be inspired by what's in front of you and infuse that into the role because it's only going to enhance what will become the published version of the play. Right. And, and like, since that's such a huge factor, like, do writers have, like, were you involved in the casting of Chicken and Biscuits? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in TV, unless you're executive producing, I don't know that you do, but in theater, it's very much the writer's sort of vision with how the play is made. And the director has to have the final say. But okay. the crazy thing is, when we got the news of Chicken and Biscuits, we had walked the theater already. We were in pre-production, set models and things were coming in. And I already had a flight plan to Los Angeles when they had to do the auditions because Jalen was going to um, Korea to put up Town, And wow. so we had to have the initial auditions when he was in town. The callbacks were when I was in town. So I was in Los Angeles in my hotel room watching oh, self-tapes. But like it hadn't been announced is so, so crazy. <laughs> and like three of the actors who self-taped became original cast members as the understudies. Oh, my God. That's yep. amazing. Yep. Good yep, for yep, them. yep, 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 yep. Awesome. Self-tapes yep. are not easy. So go off. They are uh, not easy and not preferred, but they can pay off. Right. And yeah. it's it's just easy. It's easy. You can do it in your sweatpants. There's no complaints there. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> Douglas, I think like this has been amazing. And I and I don't want to take up more of your time, but I, I appreciate you just kind of coming on here and kind of educating me. And I know all of the, of the listeners will definitely be uh, learning something uh, out of this. And uh, I'm really thankful for that. And I love your story. I love everything that you've done with Chicken and Biscuits. I think it's fantastic. And I'm so excited to continue to watch it, you know, have a life and continue to be reborn in, in every region. It's so, so cool. Yeah, thank you for having me. I um I'm just I don't know. I I really love making theater, making stories, and I think there's a bigger picture of legacy, you know, yeah. for all of us to think about, especially at a time where so much was lost, so many people have been lost. Yes. Art is the thing when when done well that can last forever. And so I think that's why writing sort of holds a place in my heart because once that script is written, it is stamped in time. Um Absolutely. And then it can become timeless as it's performed or read for years to come. So, yeah. Well, well, thank you for creating those stories. And thank you for creating jobs for, for performers and artists. And everything that you're doing is just fantastic. And once again, we didn't even talk about like your career as a performer that much. But I, I wanted to talk about your writing. We can talk about it a little bit if you want. I mean, I'm down if, if you are. 
I got, I got, I got more time than I thought because I was pushed back to a little later. So yeah, we can talk. A okay, little cool. Because I know you're doing a bunch of stuff right now, so I am. I don't want to like overload you, but I am so down to talk. Um, <laughs> your your <laughs> whole thing with beautiful. Okay, I want to talk about that, and I also want to like tie it into your whole writing process. Um, so that was like the first time you were like an original Broadway cast. Um, technically, um, I guess. So um, with beautiful. Did you, with the process of, of going through tech and going through um, the, the previews performances and, and seeing changes every day and all the fun things that, that happens when a show is being on Broadway, um, what was that learning experience like for you? Because as a performer, you know, you're kind of like put into shows often and it's a very rare experience to have that kind of original Broadway cast experience. So I'm curious to know, what that did for you as a performer and knowing your character to be able to tell that story every night. And then also like how it helped when you were creating chicken and biscuits and going through that process. I think what I learned with beautiful is that you have an opportunity to speak up and collaborate. You know, mm -hmm. I think earlier on in my career, I was just happy to be in the room and I was like militant and with beautiful wow. Jason Howland, who was our music director, um, you know, gave us room, especially because everyone had a feature. Uh, I tell this story often, but the first day of rehearsal, when he was assigning solos, because we had auditioned, but the only song that we had sung for our audition was on Broadway. And so I didn't know what my responsibility would be beyond that. But he was like, so you're singing There Goes My Baby, and then you're singing Up on the Roof. And I was texting my best friend and manager. I was like, I think I have a solo. I have a solo. I think yes! I have a solo. I'm not sure, I'm not, but I think I have a solo. <laughs> Um, and so when we were learning the song up on the roof, I'm a relative sight reader. I'm not the best sight reader, but, um, they were like, you're singing up on the roof. And I was like, I am, I had never heard the song. And so I listened to it, but then we got to the end of the song and I didn't, the sheet music sort of like faded out because the original track faded out. And I was like, okay. And so I started sort of like doing this makeshift riffy thing, um, that ended up going into the score that ended up being oh, how wow. that number ended. And right. So that became enlightening to me like oh like i can contribute i just don't have to show up and be a drifter like i can pull more of myself and there were some licks i threw into there goes my baby that i was like i'm gonna try this and if they say it's too much they'll tell me but let me put my stank right. on it you know um that was something that i learned and then just the process of going out of town and building a family with this new show that no one else really knew about and getting the news like i remember we were on a bus on a day off when they had just announced Broadway and there was like a time spread. Um, and that was really huge. Uh, and the way that I have actually played the current theater in San Francisco three times with dream girls, with Mormon oh, and with wow. beautiful. So that was really special. Um, and then coming back to New York and having two weeks off and hopping into rehearsals again and, you know, previews and reviews <laughs> and Tony's and, Oh, Good yeah. Morning America and that cast album. That was a moment, you know. Exhausting, um, right? Exa exhausting, but like, but it, it was, it was the, it was the gift. It's the dream. Yeah. You know, I'm like, my voice is on this album forever. How cool right. is that? You know, we talk about the You're blueprint. So uh, my little solo, my little riffy <laughs> thing is up there forever. Noah Ricketts calls it the Arabian riff, which makes Oh, yes. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, it, it it beautiful was a moment where I was like, wow. And like seeing all the different celebrities and folks come, you know, opening night, you know, yeah. um, 
the cool. the moment when we got back from the Tony performance and we performed like in the second half of the program. And as we literally got off the bus in costume, we ran downstairs and the producers had put the Tonys on the TV in the lobby oh. and it was Jesse's category. And so the entire company was like looking at the screaming when they said, Jesse, we just screamed and cried. Like those moments are things I will never. I will oh, never I forget. love that. Yeah. Chills, literally chills. Well, you're talking about like celebrities, like coming to see your shows. I mean, like, your show is about a celebrity and she was there all the time. Carol King. I, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe you have a different perspective, but it seems like all the time she would like come and visit and everything. Like how special was that? And like, how were you able to like, you know, kind of like talk to her about like the show that is literally about her and kind of gauge a little bit more insight on the story and kind of doing her justice you know she was not really a part of the process until she came first time we met her she didn't come to san francisco at all jerry oh, goffin okay. did with his daughter so we met him but she came i think the first time we met her was in a rehearsal room when we were starting for broadway in new york and then she didn't come to the show until she, she surprised us like two weeks before the Tonys or something like that, or like April. Um, so, yeah, but when I met her backstage, I remember saying, hi, I'm Douglas. I sang up on the roof. And she said, yes, you did. <laughs> and that was Jerry Goffin's favorite song. So that was also really special. Um, awesome. But she she just carries this kindness and this heart about her that, again, you know, how how the show is made that love I think was written into the script you know mm -hmm. when um Douglas McGrath was interviewing them he soaked up that love from those interviews and infused that into that script and that's what people feel that's why it's still touring five or six years later it's like the fifth leg of that tour right I'm like wow that's crazy in six years on Broadway you know um so I don't know I think I, I soaked in the love that Carol gave in person and that's how we honored her with the show yeah, for sure. Oh my god, I love it. I loved Beautiful. I saw it like three times. Um, Bruni, I love Mark Bruni. Shout out to Mark Bruni, uh, the director. Awesome. Yep, awesome. Um, uh, what else? The Book of Mormon. I want to talk to you about Book of Mormon because um, you did both Broadway and tour. Um, I know tour is a whole other ball game. Talk to me about like kind of doing both and 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 kind of what the differences were because maybe the show has to change because the stage has to be different because it's going to different theaters and you're traveling with it and all that fun stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. Broadway, I was a swing. So I got to cover, um, technically nine tracks, the women, the Ugandan women and men. And it was like an emergency cover for, um, the general. And then yeah. on the first national, I played Madala and I was the assistant dance captain. Yes, so I was on stage yes. after every night and uh that was cool um i love i mean the cool thing about touring is you see so many friends around the country mm -hmm. and some folks that i had met on previous tours you know on the route of previous tours were still there so i could see them again even some of the local house staff and stuff you recognize yeah. like there was a, a doorman at the current who always did these very strange weather reports he was there every time <laughs> um but uh yeah no i mean I remember my father flew out for the Mormon opening in Los Angeles and like he was <laughs> near the red carpet taking pictures of the celebrities. Oh you know, my God. Um, yes. Just 
theater has afforded me very sweet moments in my life mm-hmm. and not just in my career, if that makes sense. Like an totally. aunt of mine who I had not seen in like, I think since we had buried my grandmother, her mother saw chicken oh, wow. and biscuits. And when they saw the show, I had to go to the six opening. But um, so I like hugged them and took pictures, but I was like walking away and I looked back and my, my, my aunt had like walked like away from the marquee of chicken and biscuits and just watched me walk down the street and was like waving. And like Aww. the moments, the moments that have been given are the really touching things I think for me with theater. And I think Mormon gave me a lot of those moments um, cause that was my last tour. I haven't toured since then. So. Right. Yeah. And what, what is tour life like for you? Um, I know you're traveling to like a new city nonstop on the days off. So is, is it really a day off? Not really. Um, what, what is that? Talk to me about how you're. That Luckily I've been on tours. I mean, rent was a little bit more one nighter ish. Um, Cause that was technically one night. Tour. Oh, there were one nighter. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-uh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, honestly, it was fu- some of those people I met on that tour. So my friend Aaron Lavinet is currently playing Jesus on the JCS tour. He was oh like God. my bus buddy. He sat in front of me and like he became a brother, you know. Um, and so the non-union tour of that was difficult at times for schedule. But I also was 19. I was like, I'm on tour. I'm buying sneakers I don't need. I'm living my life. Yeah. I don't care. Um, and Mormon, because it was like the first national, we were in Los Angeles for three months and san francisco for six weeks i think so it was it was nice it was a nice you had time to like i took an acting class while i was in la doing mormon you know so according to the leg of the tour and the root of it you do have time um but you're living out of a suitcase in a trunk um and you're doing the same thing every day and really the folks on the tour are your family that sometimes can be a beautiful thing that sometimes can be a horrible thing <laughs> according to the company um uh-huh. and uh yeah i mean every contract i've ever had regional broadway tour has afforded me a new friend and a lot of them still are very dear to me and the beauty of the mormon tour specifically was meeting ethan Pakjar. um i don't yes. know what my life would be without him so yeah and it opened up a whole new new career path for you chapter i told you it comes yes back. yes chapters. Chapters. <laughs> and added all the pages to to your book yeah. yes. oh my god i love that so now with him you write play you wrote you write musicals sorry right yes and so with like when you like go off and branch off and are go write chicken and biscuits like like how does a, a writing partnership work Well, I mean, I always try to include or infuse him into something I'm doing if it has music as a part of it. So I worked on season one of Fraggle Rock. And after The Room had wrapped, I was very, again, this hustle and being adamant and, you know, um, a hustler. I reached out to the folks at Jim Henson through John Tartaglia, who's a great friend of mine. And I was like, hey, I would really love if we could write a song. Like, please, please, please. please." I sent them drop boxes. (laughs) of our music and they finally said yes and that you know came to fruition and so we have a song in season one um as a result of that so uh, i always try to pull him into whatever collaboration if there's you know music to be had and you know our style is very groove based um you know we started with an album 
And it is a fusion of pop, R&B, gospel, and Broadway. Like our sound is very thumpish. It's very now, like it might not sound like theater music at first to you. Um, and I've had to learn lyrically how to make sure that I'm really honoring whatever the moment is in the show, but also maintaining the vibe that we like to upkeep our sound. Um, and so, yeah, like there'll be times where we jam it out and he's like, I don't think that's really us, like sonically speaking. Like we yeah. really try to create our own iconic sound and uh, we've been successful, I think. Um, uh, Bo is a more like country funk score yeah. so like if james taylor and james brown were in a band together that's sort of bow um five points has you know sort of blues gospel roots meets celtic um celtic pop i don't know uh so always playing with sound and sort of trying to create a new genre of music by infusing different ones together right and kind of making it your own it's yes. cool Yes. I love that. You're not yeah. like really like, I mean, because all music seems to be recycled in, in some sort of in some sort of way. So I love that you're kind of yes ending that, you know? Um, yeah. That's we wanted to evolve. Like I, I sometimes fear that we don't have a lot of contemporary musical theater writers because we do so many revivals um, <laughs> that it's like theater is not relating. That's why Hamilton became what it was is because that music Right. exploded outside of the theater realm into the world it belongs to the world that music Absolutely. belongs to the world and so how do we create music that you know what rent did in its day like seasons of seasons of love became a universal song you know yeah so that's always the goal so now is it like in the future so like five years are, are you continuing writing or are you continuing performing you want to continue doing both like what what's next for douglas i don't know that the chapter will reveal itself that's my yes. new thing so this chalk wall i have over okay. here i usually write all yeah. my goals on but no this way. year i did not i was like you're not writing down anything you're not predicting or expecting anything it will oh, unfold wow. and it has it has yes. unfolded. So I want to act on screen. That's definitely the next goal. Um, okay. But I'm hoping one of these TV projects gets greenlit um, and takes off would be really great. And I don't know. I know I will always be making art. I don't know where I'll be making it, but mm -hmm. I know I'll be making it for a bigger purpose. And that's just exciting to me. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. And I'm going right. to be right here ready for it. You know? So yep. And you know that Douglas is going to be a name that everybody's going to know one day because, and people are already knowing, you know, it's it, going to be with your drive and your motivation, your talent, it, it's, it's bound to happen at some point, you know? Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really about the, the work and being a light, you know, I yes. feel like being an artist can become such a selfish and indulgent thing. And sometimes I think in the theater, we take ourselves too seriously. We forget that the ability to tell a story is a gift. We are mm -hmm. privileged to professionally make musicals and plays for a living. And so let that not go to our head, right? But let it like excite us and amp us up to use it, to inspire more people to use right. this way of storytelling, right? Um, I'm so glad I, I found the theater. So, so, so glad I found the theater. And I'm trying to use what it did for me to inspire other people that look like me, so. 
Yeah, I think we can talk. I I think I can speak on behalf of everyone that we are happy that you found the leader as well. <laughs> um, seriously, because you've given us gifts, and we we so appreciate it. Um, and I think that's a perfect place to end today. Um, uh, it was it was a blast to talk to you and just to talk to you about all all the things in your life and your career. So I appreciate you coming on and spending your time with us. Thank you for having me and check out the music. It's all over Spotify. Um, Bo, the musical, Polka Dots, the musical, Breathe, the musical. Those are the ones to check out. And can we get a like a Instagram handle or whatever handle that you have so that we can follow along? I am Douglas Sings on the Twitter. I am Chocolate Hipster on the Instagram. Oh, my God. Chocolate Hipster cracks me up. I have to say, I love it. That was not that was given to me. So um, as Marette, Gabber McKell in Book of Mormon, I'll never forget this day. We were sitting on a bench about to go out and she was like, you always dressing like a hipster. You're like a chocolate hipster. And I was like, oh, Ding! yeah, amazing. That's like yep. you're, that's going to be your stage name, stage name one day or like a character in your play. I love it. Yes. Chocolate um, hipster. It, yep. That's yes. right. <laughs> I love it. Well, Douglas, seriously, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Take a vow, Douglas Lyons. That was so much fun. I literally cannot thank him enough for coming on the show. I She's someone I've wanted to have on for quite a while. So I'm glad that I was able to reach out. I'm glad he was able to to see it and, and be willing to come on. I loved everything that he had to say with Chicken and Biscuits and just what that process was like and how to start it and what's going on as a writer and as a performer and all the projects that he's doing and how he's working on multiple at a time, kind of always. Um, and, and now he's working in the TV film and how that's different and all the things. And uh, I really, really, really want to focus on more of that side of the conversation, which is why we didn't talk about uh, his kind of performing career more often or like more in the interview and um i didn't have as many performing questions prepared because i really wanted to talk to him about the writing process and about the creating a musical process because that's something that we haven't really talked about on here so um huge shout out to douglas for coming on and providing a new perspective on the industry and a new field of the industry for those of you who are interested in kind of those fields um it was a great episode and i really enjoyed having him on he and he loved having him uh he loved talking to us about uh, everything so i wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the future whether it's at a cabaret if it's at another podcast episode whatever it may be um his next broadway show i would absolutely be having him back on and talking all about it uh but he's just doing so many cool things and i'm excited to see chicken and biscuits uh be able to perform more regionally so if you're in those regions where chicken and biscuits is coming on give a listen to this episode i mean obviously you just did but tell your friends about it and tell you like your friends in school about it and be like oh we're gonna go see the show you you should listen to what the writer had to say about the show so yeah that's that's a fun little thing that you can do and something to look forward to if uh you do not live in new york and you're able to see the show elsewhere Unfortunately, I didn't get to see Chicken and Biscuits on Broadway, uh, but I have read the play and I'm a huge fan of Douglas's work and I've seen him perform beautiful and all the things. So I can't, I'm very excited and I hope that you all enjoyed this week's episode. And uh, that's all I have for you folks. So with that being said, continue to be you, be a star. Um, 
impact people in a positive way. That's really all I can ask and choose kindness because we really need it right now. And after seeing Mrs. Doubtfire last night, it was like, this is what we need right now. We just need to be a community and we need to do what it takes to, to bring joy and have fun in this world and, and choose the right thing and kindness and everything. So just continue to do it, continue to have the conversations. And uh, with that being said, I'll see you all next week. So bye, everybody. Have a great week. For this episode's Curtain Call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com tab. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.